The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. Hello, I'm Laura Solon. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast from The Guardian. I'm still outside the back of the Gilded Balloon. It's lovely. I've just been interviewed by Miles Up, which was charming. And it wasn't just me, though. It was also Sean Hughes, Patrick Monaghan, Tommy and the Weeks, Elvis McGonagall and Simon Munnery. So keep listening for my bit. It's quite good. Welcome to the nightclub of the Gilded Balloon to The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. I'm Miles Jupp. In 2005, her debut show won the Perrier Award. She was described in The Guardian as being terrifyingly good. Uh, Since then, she's written her own Radio 4 series, starred alongside Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse on BBC One. Please welcome to the podcast, Laura Solon. Have you, is, this your, is this your first visit to Edinburgh since uh, winning your, the, the coveted uh, former Perrier Award? The former Perrier Award. Um, the last Perrier Award. I'm like the last unicorn. On oh. <laughs> um, yes, it is. I've been up to visit as a, as a tourist, but I haven't been up to do, to do a full run, so this is the first time. Uh, do you think, because you've, how many years is it since you won? Four. Four. Do, you think, do, you, do you think leaving a gap, has, has a, whether intentionally or not, do you think it's helped relieve some of the pressure perhaps people have returning with the show immediately after? Yeah, I think it's hard to return because I think Edinburgh is about the new, really. Everyone gets excited about the next thing all the time, um, which I, I think certainly I had the, you get the novelty factor when you first come up. So I think if you come up again, people are maybe slightly expecting more from you. So I think to leave a gap, let people forget <laughs> and then sneak back in. That was my plan. Your, your, your uh, Perry winning show, that, that was a solo show, but inadvertently, is that right? Well, yeah, well, I was originally going to be doing a, a show with a, another stand-up, but that never actually got written, um, and then he couldn't come to Edinburgh, so I, I just put some my, my stamp I'm doing on the circuit together to do a show. Um, so it was a bit last minute, but it worked out quite well. Uh, <laughs> very modest. Uh, no, I, I've been doing it all year. There was a lot written that I'd written it in three weeks. I hadn't. I've been doing that. The show that we've been planning to do wasn't written, but I'd actually been performing my stuff on the circuit for the, a while. So it wasn't as if I just woke up one day and wrote it, which yeah. was reported in some articles. But that's more interesting than saying that she'd been working on it for a while. And you, uh, this year, your show is called Rabbit Faced Sorry. Yeah, you have to pick the title before you write the show. Yes. And I wanted to do a photo with a rabbit in. So that's, that's how the rabbit got in my show. <laughs> I've uh, broken the magic now. Was, yeah. did, did you have a rabbit that you thought, this rabbit I reckon would photograph extremely well? A dead rabbit, yeah. I had a, a stuffed rabbit. It, it, um, it was a Victorian taxidermist rabbit, so it was white with red eyes, so we had to take those out in the original photo. But it looked more interesting in the photo than just me. Oh, so it actually had red eyes? Yeah, the, the rabbit that... I got it from this... Um, this uh, place in North London that you could rent a boar and a whole lion, but I went for the rabbit and it had red eyes. <laughs> and um, it was more transportable on the tube. Um, <laughs> but they had to, um, I had to obviously in the photo, Photoshop out the red. But then I went and bought my own stuffed rabbit from a palace of death on the Essex Road in London, mm. um, where again, you could buy a full-size lion or a kitten, which I thought might make quite a sinister wedding gift for someone. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's there. Don't want to ask by it. I'm storing that one up. <laughs> and, uh, this, this, this show, then, is it, a, is it a single narrative or is it a well, sketch it's, show? Well, it's a loose narrative and it's all characters within the same world. Um, uh, so I wanted to do them all within the same narrative. So I didn't have to do scene changes or costume changes or lights out. Sort of a continuous piece 
of just relentless me. Um, but it's all, it's the, the least premises that an, an author goes missing and that everyone has to try and finish the end of her book. So it's all the different characters that are involved in that quite loosely. I mean, some of them are a bit of a, bit of a reach to get in. But it's about yeah. 10 or 11 characters. Because yeah. uh, people like, uh, you've got a character, Didier Auberge? Didier Auberge, French author, yes. <laughs> who writes an anti-novel, 6,000 pages long, with no punctuation. <laughs> and halfway through, it advises the reader to take their own life. <laughs> <laughs> it's casual racism against the French. I'm not dressing up as clever. <laughs> but people really seem to go for that. So yeah. that's the one that's going down the best. That and says something about society. <laughs> Uh, uh, Harriet, the sort of AWOL author called Harriet. Yeah, you don't ever meet Harriet, but she writes these amazing crime thrillers, and, and there's like the Telegraph says they're amazing, and the New York Times says she's a genius, and the Australian Herald says, this is the one author who makes me want to put out my barbecue and learn to read. <laughs> <laughs> so again, casual racism against the Australians. I think we're seeing a theme. I should have called it casual racism. You've, you've had a great time there since 2005. You worked with, um, well, you've been busy. You worked with uh, uh, Paul Whitehouse, Harry and Phil. Yes, I did. That was fantastic. It was quite weird. This was the first proper TV job I did. And I was sitting in the makeup trailer in between Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse trying to stay cool and trying not to text everyone I knew because they were just like, this is normal because they're obviously Paul Whitehouse and Harry Enfield every day. So it's not, you know, weird for them, but it was quite weird for me. <laughs> so I had to try and keep my voice non-wobbly and sit on my hands, really. So it was... Um, like in a lap dancing bar? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit like that, yeah. A, a apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, who else have you found yourself uh, sitting alongside, uh, on your hands or otherwise? Um, on my hands. Um, well, I did some work with um, Jessica, St Jessica Stevenson in a film she did, and I got... I didn't actually do a scene with him, but I got to meet... David Tennant, Doctor Who, which was incredible, but quite embarrassing. So I went in for a rehearsal on my birthday and I just finished the rehearsal and he turned up to rehearse and I was just leaving. I obviously don't know him and he was quite busy and the, the producer sort of presented me to him and went, David, it's Laura's birthday. <laughs> and there was a slightly awkward moment. He went, well, happy birthday. And I said something like, <laughs> thank you, Doctor Who. <laughs> and then I'm feeling like a dick, really. So... <laughs> But he was a very nice man for, for one second of, of happy birthday, you strange and nervous child. <laughs> I don't know who you are and I'm not in a scene with you. Goodbye. Do, do, you ever, do you ever find yourself doing that thing where you see someone famous and you don't realise that you know their face because they're famous quick enough? I think you, you think think know, you know them. them. Yeah. So I'm quite arrogant like that, just assume I know everyone. No, it is difficult. You do, you do see them and, and, and I don't ever get used... Also, I, don't, I never get used to seeing people I know on TV. Friends of yours are in stuff. I still get very overexcited and point and say, I know that person. Which would be normal if you work in this, this industry. I haven't quite. I know Daisy Haggard is a good friend of mine and she's recently in Psychoville. And every time it came on, I go, oh, look, it's Daisy. I don't know. I need to get used to it. I came out of an audition once and the actor Hugh Bonneville was waiting to go in next. I don't, it can't have been for the same part, but nonetheless, he was... Uh, he was uh, <laughs> I don't think he does my level of stuff. Uh, he, he was there and I, I saw it was him, but I didn't think that's Hugh Bonneville. I thought, oh, I know that guy. And I went, hey, have a good one! And punched, <laughs> punched him on the arm. <laughs> uh, somewhat, he, was, he was nice about it. Um, for anyone listening on their way up to the Edinburgh Festival, do you have any, any top tips for the final weekend? Um... Don't drink too much and then make your cold worse 
Um, <laughs> go and see Forest Fringe is amazing. It's this venue on Bristow Place and it does lots of free theatre and it's got a great bar and it's quite different to everything else at the festival so I would go and check that out if I were you. Ladies and gentlemen, Laura Solon. <laughs> Laura's show is on daily at the Assembly Rooms at 5.05. Do get along if you can. Uh, now, another award winner, Sean Hughes, is just about to join us. But before he does, we're going to get some stand-up from a man I spent far too long with in the back of a transit van last year, uh, performing every afternoon at the stand, Simon Munnery! You can't say hello these days without inadvertently infringing Sainsbury's copyright. <laughs> you know, it's 150 years they'll be going in the supermarket. Four years ago, they come up with a brilliant idea as you walk in. Sainsbury's, hello. And you read the word hello, it goes off in your head, hello. You think, you think oh, I'll say hello back. No, I can't say hello back. It's a supermarket. <laughs> I don't mind myself. I'm a, I'm a Sainsbury's fan. I like the atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> you know, and the singing. Sainsbury's, Sainsbury's Used to be a grocer Became somewhat grosser You say Tesco, I say No sir, Sainsbury's Sainsbury's boys, we are here Morrison, shit Oh, it's clean, it's fresh at Sainsbury's Apart from the petrol, obviously The orange and the brown The orange and the brown In the dead centre on the edge of town Oi Sometimes, me and the other Sainsbury's fans, we get our Sainsbury's Better T-shirts on and we go down Tesco, you know. <laughs> we don't buy anything, we just walk around the aisles tutting. <laughs> How much? Can you smell poo? <laughs> we have a laugh. <laughs> Advertising doesn't have to be true, does it? Just as a sound good. I think Tesco should use Tesco's, keeping prices pinned to the min and quality smacks right up the max. <laughs> that get the youth in. Or Tesco's, hitting the farmers hard on your behalf. <laughs> And uh, Morrisons might like to make use of their large size, purported northern origins and low profit margins with the phrase, Morrisons using our clout to make nout. <laughs> that would be, be good. So I, I was walking down the road the other day. Which road? See, doing my own heckles. Saves time. <laughs> Same road as ever. Think about it. All roads link up, don't they? Topologically, there's only one road. If you can imagine a road that isn't linked to any other roads, it's not a road, is it? It's a runway. <laughs> Walking down the road, couldn't help noticing how beautiful it was. It was raining, but everything was glistening. And I thought, the world is so beautiful, why would anyone in their right mind bother to take drugs? And then I remembered I was on drugs. <laughs> I tried to trace back my addictions, and I think, what was my first addiction? I thought, of course, air. Uh, followed by milk, like a fool, I mixed them. <laughs> Next one after that, probably attention. I'm over that. <laughs> Telly, I went off the telly, so don't, don't watch the telly anymore. The, the news, the last hook it catches you with. I used to watch the news three times a day like a crack news addict looking for the little changes. I went off the news, an incident at the BBC a few years ago. One of the newsreaders, either Jan Leeming or Maura Stewart, I can't remember which one, got, this newsreader got caught up in a burglary and one of the burglars threw a moan in her face, whole incident. But what it meant was the next night, instead of reading the news, this newsreader was on the news as a news item herself being interviewed in a hospital bed. And this is when I began to doubt what is the news? Because during the interview, this newsreader said, I never realised there were such awful people in the world. <laughs> I, I thought you read the news. What do you think it was, a poem? <laughs> Cheery bye, thanks. Simon Munnery! <laughs> 
this year, Simon Munro and I, we did a tour uh, of, um, uh, well, I went everywhere, and uh, it was a very badly organised tour. There was four of us involved, and there was only three seats in the van. Um, so one person always had to get the train, and Simon turned up at the, the wrong venue once, uh, having that. And so we, said we gave him a lift down the road for just 500 metres in the back of the van with the set and the luggage. Uh, and then we braked rather suddenly outside the venue and heard screaming, and we opened the door, and Simon, Simon had managed to get each of his legs on either side of an enormous suitcase and, and land very, very heavily on himself. Um, and I laughed and laughed. Uh, and I said, oh, Simon, is there anything we can do to help? And he said, you could kill yourself. <laughs> uh, what a charming man. Anyway, Simon Munnery's uh, AGM 09 is on at the stand at 4.05. Do get along if you can. Uh, now, like Laura Solom, my next guest, also won the Perrier Award, he's back performing eight shows only right here in the Guild of Balloon. Please welcome Sean Hughes. We, we the other night, me and Mars, like... Do you know the fine young cannibals? Yeah. We ended up drinking with the uh, Roland, the singer, and yeah. I was the only person who had to go, when did you start singing first? Is that the voice that came out? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like, in, I know I wouldn't go, right, I'm going to be a singer going, what a man, we got life, down there, and down there. And I think he doesn't like me anymore. Yes, it was, it was, if I'm honest, slightly awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I knew when I was doing it, it was awkward, but I'm one of those people that has to go, I need to find the truth. <laughs> you are you're sort of investigative in that, in that sort of sense. You're, you're... I am the X-Files, basically. <laughs> now you've, uh, uh, how many years have you been coming to Edinburgh, Sean? Sorry? How many years have you been coming to Edinburgh, Sean? <laughs> I got the Sean, but it was the rest of it I didn't quite catch. <laughs> Sean. Um, how old you are, are so you? You are so posh. Me? Yeah, you must have known that when you were drinking with me. It's not suddenly... I don't talk in a different way on, off stage and then no, suddenly come up... No, you're too right. I like hanging out with posh people as well, because I just feel... I still like, feel so working class. I go, well, I should be with him. <laughs> I'll buy him a drink. He's better than me. <laughs> That's very charming. 43 is the 43. answer to the question. And you, were you the youngest ever winner of the... Uh... Yeah, and I always will be, so get over it, OK? <laughs> <laughs> You as well, fucker. <laughs> and now that means you, you've come It in means it. nothing, though. Awards are nonsense. Are they? Yeah. Genuinely? I know you've never won one, but... <laughs> we, we can say I, they yeah. are yeah, nonsense. Yeah, it's, not, it's not even true, Sean. Yeah. What have you won? Best posh person in <laughs> Cheltenham? <laughs> I, would, I would struggle in that category. Um, yeah, you're right. I've taken that back so much. Oh, I just won loads of stuff years ago. I do love him, by the way. I'm only having a go because I do love him. <laughs> You're looking at me going, no, you don't, you hate him. <laughs> I, I love him. We, we did some shows together and he was lovely. Thank you. <laughs> we did down, down in the West Country. It was very exciting. And it was exci See, I wouldn't even call it the West Country. I just call it Britain. <laughs> <laughs> But the, I, what I quite liked about those shows was that, bizarrely, you were the one getting heckles about doing children's television. Because uh, someone what? was shouting... Someone kept shouting rubber dubber at you. Tell you, it was this weird thing. I did this programme called Rubber Dubbers. If you've got children, you might have seen it. But um, when I went in, like, uh, it was a kid's thing. I didn't really care that much. And they went, they really loved me, though. They said, will you do this part? And I went, yeah, OK. And then I did the first reading, and they went... That wasn't very good. And they said, can you read it from your heart rather than your head? And I thought, what a brilliant 
you know, kind of instruction. I thought that was brilliant. So I went, yes, I will. And I read it from my heart next time. And they didn't realise the mic was still on. They went, I didn't know it was any different there, did you? <laughs> I remember doing an audition for something once and it didn't go very well and they stared at me and then it was really awkward silence about 30 seconds and then one of them went, do you need to know where the tube station is? <laughs> Uh, when we worked together in March, you'd just been working on a Miss Marple. Yes, and I've been offered um, Casualty, the Christmas special. Can't wait for that. <laughs> Playing a bloke who works in an old folks' home who's got skin disease and he makes food for them and he makes them all ill. <laughs> I've been honing my material for a long time in the hope of getting material like that. <coughs> I will take it as well. <laughs> with the Miss Marple the only reason I took that gig was there was a line in the script that no one has ever said ever in the whole world and I went well I'm having that gig especially as an Irish person because I'm playing the detective he's not even the inspector and Miss Marple solves the fucking crime anyway so like they're the, just the idiots going oh we think we might find out who did it and they never do and I get to say, I go, matches to my inspector, and he goes, are they recent? And I go, I should say. <laughs> no one has ever said that, ever, have they? And I went, I'm having that gig. <laughs> I should say. <laughs> you, you, do you mind the fact that you now get called sort of things like veteran? Or... No, but this is what I mean. I do get called a veteran comic. I've never been in any war, ever. <laughs> and there's a couple of people here who might have been. <laughs> and it's disrespectful to people like my granddad, who was in the war. I, I, well, I say he was in the war. I assume he was. I have to take his word for it. In all the pictures, he is wearing a balaclava. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Hughes. Another award winner is about to join us here on stage for a chat. Before he does, some poetry, ladies and gentlemen, listeners to the podcast, I give you Elvis McGonagall. I'm Elvis McGonagall. I've suffered for my poetry. Now it's your turn. <laughs> Going to do a couple of poems for you. Uh, the first one is about a politician. We don't really have any politicians in this country anymore. No statesmen. They're just Mayfair estate agents that have fallen off some middle management focus group conveyor belt from hell. This is a wee poem about the latest one, a man who would like to be our next Prime Minister, the leader of the opposition. This poem is entitled, You Can Call Me Dave. And it goes like this. Change, optimism, hope. Progress, energy, vigour. Modest, moderate, modern. Brighter, better, bigger. Conservative, compassionate, communal. Black, Muslim, gay, young, Green, Martian, work, rest, play. Responsible, tangible, real. Motivation, dedication, aspiration. Empower, enhance, improve. Location, location, location. Vision, ambition, intuition. Courage, resolve, expertise, beliefs, values, dreams. Eats, shoots, leaves. On my bike. Eco-friendly guy. Recycle, renew, relax, take off tie. Liberty, equality, paternity, women, babies, men, cooperation, cohesion, cocaine, 
Never, ever again. <laughs> Trusting, caring, sharing, Goldsmith, Geldorf, Gandhi, Emerson, Leake, Palmer, Yankee, Doodle, Dandy. Beans means Heinz. Ready, steady, go. Leg before wicket, Edgar Allan Poe. Mary, Mungo, Midge, Beverly Hills, Cop, Yabba, Dabba, Do, Snap, Crackle, Pop. Keep it real, watch me, blog, pimp my, ride, snoop, doggy, dog. Booyah, shaka, indar, hood, super smashing, great finger licking, good. Suit you, sir, our friends electric, want that one. Vorsprung, Dirk, Technic, bloody nice bloke, sunshiny day, blobby, 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 gabba, gabba, hey. Drivel, piffle, bilge, yakety, yak, yak, rhubarb, 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 quack, quack, quack. Silver spoon face, chubby puppy fat, shiny wavy hair, Notting Hill twat. <laughs> Same old Tory Eaton Blood Blue brand new package Blair Mark II. Thank you. Cheers. Elvis we're gonna go one man and his dog rule is on daily 545 right here at the Guild of Balloon. Thank you very much, Elvis. <laughs> My final guest is also an award winner. In 2008, he won the Best International Comic at the World Academy of Arts, Literature and Media, performing in two shows this year, Cowboys and Iranians for adults and stories and fables for kids that like sitting at tables. For children, please welcome Patrick Monaghan. <laughs> Patrick, how are you? you? You sound like you've had a, a good evening. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this is a late show for me. Oh, right. I do, I, I do, because um, like you mentioned, I do a couple of shows. I do a kid's show in the afternoon, about one third, like a storytelling show. Then I go and do an adult show. Then after that, I go and host a late and live, which is a late show. And then after that, I just walk around the streets following people with tank tops and I kiss them on the head. <laughs> I know this is a podcast. There's people at home thinking, what's he talking about? But there's a bloke in the front row with a tank top who loves his head being kissed. <laughs> can you rub your head against the mic so they can hear it? Come on, there's people on this podcast who want to hear this. My granddad tried to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> the lovely head. So, um, but this isn't my normal voice. This isn't my normal voice. It's a bit, I'd like, like the guys, I've got a bit of a, a gruff thing. But it's weird because I rang up the NHS helpline. I, I don't know if you did that, you went to the doctors and stuff. And the woman, the, the nurse on the phone, because I wasn't sure if it was swine flu or whatever, and she said, oh no, it won't be swine flu. She said, just uh, check. She said, if you can put your chin on your chest. And I was like, God, that's amazing. I've never thought about trying that because I, I thought I was made of Lego. And it's like, how can you? How can you not do that? And the woman said, she genuinely said, she said, it's not swine for anything. She just said, it's just like an infection. She said, it's all right, because women think a bloke with a voice like this is sexy. That's rubbish, isn't it? Do you, do you find this sexy, love? I know you're with the bloke with the tank top, but do you? <laughs> I know I can't match up to that. I've got a vest on. But do you think a bloke with a voice like this, is that sexy? I've is got it? a slight woody. You've got a, you've got a woody. <laughs> How about you, Laura? I think the voice is sexy, but not the sort of, Flem that comes with it. Yeah, yeah. that's the point. Exactly. Yeah. What, what woman clapping yeah. there? She's been flemmed over. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. I know I wish I was this. It's terrible. When I was a kid, I would love to have had a voice like this because you could sound like you're in The Godfather. You know, like and my mates would do that. go, hey, you fight me, you fight my family. Eh? I'd be like that. What are you on about, Steve? Or you don't even know who your dad is. Is that mental? <laughs> 
you're doing a children's show, children's show, as well as an adult show. What's what's led you down the path of doing a children's show? Well, do you know what? It's like, um, well, I don't know if you could probably tell. Like, I, my sense of humour is quite like it's quite a bit um, naughty but friendly sort of thing, and it's a bit wacky. And I love talking. That's the main thing. And really? The, honestly, yeah. It's <laughs> this isn't even a call. This is just me not shutting up. This is, um, and and the the reason is like you know, and you probably found this, you guys, when when you write stuff, you know, you write in stand up, and you do something, you think, oh, this would be great for kids and because uh, I do it for adults sometimes you think okay the adults are like this stuff and the kids and what I like can I just stop you for a second all people are thinking now is going they're thinking about movies going he was a normal boy <laughs> and then he had some marbles he lost the marbles it ruined his life kids show three o'clock yeah coming out August the 19th no, it's not. It's possible. I love it, but you are scaring me. Is it really that scary? <laughs> it is. It is. You do. This has got better. It was worse than this. Have you have you done the children's show with your voice I, like that? Patrick? I've done the children's show like this, but they love it because I come out as a character at the beginning, and then I do the stories and stuff, and they like it because I go like different voices, you know, like this, and and then I. Do you know what the weird thing is, right, with the kids, right? <laughs> The weird thing with the kids, different they, scary they are, voices. No, but the kids, the kids, uh, they're more, they're more confident than adults. Like I do a kids show at one thirty, then I do an adult show at nine fifteen, then then I host a late show at one till three in the morning. The kids, when I do this story show like this, and I'll do a thing, the kids will interact. They're like, I'll be telling the story, I'll do something, and the kids will go, I've got a gerbil, it's dead, <laughs> and I'm stuff like, like mommy, collect me. <laughs> that's what no, that's what they say to me. They shout that to me, and I'm talking about. Oh, that's nice, really. To use it as a doorstop. What do you do with it? And then, and you have to bounce with them. And then, and then you're telling a story, and then they'll shout out, "My best friend lives in Falkirk." And you're just like, "All right." So I'm just going to go back to this Middle Eastern story I was telling you about. And and they're great because the kids are amazing. They love it. They're not scared at all. But then I do like late at night, which is like one to three in the morning. It's totally different. Like they'll shout out, they'll go, "I'm going to rip your head off. I'm going to wee down your throat." All right, pal. So it's a, it's a good mix sort of thing. But that's just you saying that before that's you go on me. stage, isn't it? Every accent I do sounds like this. <laughs> do you Tell me about, so, what is it? Look, surely you change it. Tell how many questions am I getting? <laughs> no, surely, I, I don't understand right. how you can do a kid's show with that voice. It's, uh, is there any kids in? Is there any kids in? No, they all left. They're They've fried. left, they're scared. <laughs> um, they were all he- uh, shepherded to the back when you started running around kissing people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Now, have you, have you, do you get yourself in a situation where you get confused between the shows you're doing? If you're doing that many shows, do you sometimes go out in front of your kids' show and just do an absolute barrage of filth to them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you know what? To be honest, that works better. The kids, <laughs> the kids love filth. That is what I've noticed about Scotty's kids. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Monaghan. Hey, cheers, thank you. What a gruelling interview. I am questioned out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to close the show with a fantastic sketch for a sketch group who, before the festival, started with The Guardian's Critics' Choice, performing every day at ten past five at the Pleasance Courtyard. Please welcome Tommy in the Weeks! I want to buy some bread. I want to buy some bread. I want to buy it local to avoid the supermarket. I want to sell my bread. I want to sell my bread. I'm a small time shop. I can't compete with supermarkets. I want to buy some bread. I want to sell my bread. Do you accept cards? We don't accept cards. Well, there's a reason you're going out of business. political. Uh, now, uh, next up, I'm going to um, tell you my measurements. We'll start with my height, which is uh, six foot, 
I'm afraid I don't know what that is in centimetres. Hello. Um, Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, there's a goat on stage. I am no mere goat. I am a fawn. My name is Shibboleth, and I am a metric conversion fawn. Wow, this is... Half goat, half human, all metric conversion. Yeah, wow. I heard you were having a problem with an imperial measurement. Which one was it? Uh, six foot. Ah, six foot, my old nemesis. <laughs> and you are lucky I am here. Yes. I will call on all of the powers of nature and the forest to help you. Mountains, come to me. Oceans, unite. I can look it up on my phone. No, this way is yeah. cooler. <laughs> The answer is 181 centimeters. Now I must rest. Wow. That was pretty impressive stuff there from the fawn. Ah, let's do more converting. No, that's probably enough. Come on, son of Adam, please. We gotta, okay. No, that's, that's all right. No, let's do, let's do, let's do 10 miles. Well, okay, well, it's tempting. He is tempting me. 10 miles is a really good one. You will love it. It's awesome. I'm not sure. Let's convert You obviously know what it is. I don't necessarily know what it is. Well, I don't necessarily. Well, the answer is 16 kilometers. Okay. Now I must rest. Yeah, because I've sort of got to finish the podcast, to be honest, Shibboleth. Could you, could you leave? Ah, no, let us do more converting. No, I think Come that's... on, let's go to town. No. No, let's go to a titty bar. <laughs> Please, no, no. I'll buy you a pint. I don't want a pint. 20 fluid ounces. Right. Now I must rest. Sorry, is there some security here? Can we... You, you know what, you are the worst fawn. Oh. I'm leaving, I'm not going to stick around for this. This always happens to me. I will sing a sad fawn song. I can tell you how many yards make up a mile. I can tell you how many hugs make up a smile. I can tell you how many lovers make up a child. Dos. But I can't convert your heart. I can tell you how many kilos make up a ton. I can tell you how many footsteps make up a run. I can tell you how many poppers open a bum. Dos, still. But I can't convert your heart. I can show you how to travel from the earth to the sky. I can show you all the planets. I can show you the tides. I can show you how a fawn goes to his forest and cries. Because he can't convert your heart. Maybe Shibboleth, I was a bit harsh on you. That's okay. I guess that we can hang out for an hour or two. Don't you mean a hundred kilo minutes, you fool? Kilo minutes? You don't know that measurement yet, but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> now I've you've converted, converted my heart. heart. Yes, now you've I've converted, converted my heart. heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fun. Let's convert something out to yards, maybe? I'm or? afraid whenever a fawn sings a song, he dies. <laughs> That's a bad system. <laughs> We've been Tommy in the Weeks. Thank you. <laughs> Tommy in the Weeks! Thank you to all my guests today. Sean Hughes, Laura Solon, Patrick Monaghan, Simon Munnery, Elvis McGonagall, and of course, Tommy in the Weeks. We're back tomorrow to do it one last time. We'll see you then. Goodbye! The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. It doesn't have to go on, but can I tell one story? I did uh, Terry Wogan's uh, yes, chat yeah, show on. Yep. years ago. And exactly like you did there, they said, we're going to have this guy on singing. 
and uh, can you pretend to clap? And then we'll all, you know, and he, I was on with Jermaine Greer and she went, I really like him. So Terry went to her and said, oh, wasn't that great? And then I actually, but then really ruining the whole night by going, I'd need to hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> and he just went, I'm never having you on. Anyway. 